You may be seated. So, Father, truly our lives are in your hands. And, God, we give you this time right now. We ask you would speak to us clearly. Father, we are here not for a church service. We are here with an encounter with the Almighty God. I pray that you would make yourself clear and your Holy Spirit would be evident. Thank you for the work you're going to do today. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited. Today is going to be a great day. We have some fun things planned, including this sermon. Yes. You're going to be very excited about that. You know, we are walking through the book of Acts. We are in a series. And, and if you have not been with us, that's okay. We're going to talk about the whole book of Acts today. Um, Acts is unique. The book, the book of Acts, we've decided, uh, lead pastor Charlie said, there's three things we want to accomplish during this series. We really want to reframe and relook at the Holy Spirit, the church, and the Jesus movement to see what it means for us. And so let's take this thing called the Jesus movement. What is the Jesus movement? Well, it's a revival. That's a, that's a good uh, a churchy word. Anyone ever grow up and go to a big tent revival as a kid or any time? Yeah? Yeah, they'd get a big tent and you'd be out in the south and you would just sweat. And uh, somewhere in there, you would find Jesus. It was a beautiful thing. You know, a revival of Jesus movement is a powerful and sudden outbreak of redemption and transformation based on the Spirit's work. A Jesus movement is when God's Spirit grows his kingdom in a supernatural way that no human can take credit for. And a great example, there's lots of them, but the Welsh revival of 1904, estimated 5 million people came to Jesus in two years. Now, I'm not good at math, but I think, I think that's like 200,000 a month almost, you know? That, that, is, that is a good month. And in fact, in Acts, we see in Acts 1 or Acts 2, when Peter preaches the sermon after Pentecost, 3,000 got baptized and came to Jesus in one sermon. So if you're our guest here today, we're glad you're here, okay? The Jesus movement moves when people come into the flow. And here at the, here at the Orchard, this Jesus movement is what we want to be a part of. A movement of Jesus that changes our communities, where God pours out his love and his spirit in such a degree that our church is different. Our region and our communities are different. Our neighbors are different. We are different. The marriage rate and divorce rate is different. The crime rate is different. Like, we want Jesus to pour himself out in us and through us in such a way that we see God change us and change the world around us and so that no one can take credit for it. That's the best part, is that we, God does something so big that no human goes, yeah, that was me. That was me. And one of the marks of a Jesus movement is new people coming to Jesus and people who are in the kingdom making new risks and new decisions. And so that's what we're looking for. And as we look in Acts, we're going to look a little bit closer at what this means. But, but you might know um, in the Bible, this is called the Old Testament, this, this first part, okay? In the Old Testament, this is the story of God who loved his children, loved his people, and he gave them the Old Testament, and this taught them who they were. It taught them who he was. It, it taught them how to, how to worship him, how to interact with the world around them. And all throughout this Old Testament, all throughout it, is repeated this powerful anthem declaring that someday the Messiah will come. And when the Messiah comes, it will change everything. The entire Old Testament poised, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God. 800 years before Jesus was even born, the prophet Isaiah said, a virgin will, will bear a son and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. They waited for ages and generations, and hundreds, and hundreds of years. Can you imagine waiting that long for something? You know, the length of time you're willing to wait for something 
tells you how valuable it is to you. I mean, have you ever been, like, you've ever driven to a drive-thru for some fast food, and there's just one car too many, and you're like, nope, it's not that valuable. But there are people who will wait for, for camp out for days and weeks for a phone or a concert. Something funny happened yesterday. After my, my kids have a little bit of rest playtime, they get to watch a video and have a snack. And so we're watching this video, and in the middle of the video, something happened. Something terrible. This spinning wheel came on the screen. <laughs> and my kids went crazy. Make it stop! Daddy! I was like, you're just going to have to wait. You would have thought I, was, I would have told them that candy was illegal. They, they reacted so, and I just couldn't help but laugh because, because they have no idea how far we've come. You remember back when, you, uh, you know, back when Al Gore first invented the internet and we had to dial up? <laughs> and every time you would dial up, it sounded like something was dying on the other end. <laughs> like, why do they have that sound? Just pick something pleasing during the dial-up. Please listen to this song. Anything! But they have that screeching of some small animal dying. To, my kids... They have no idea about waiting on the internet, and if their video has to buffer, ooh, that's not a good thing. But humanity waited for generations, and waiting isn't always fun. It's not always fun, is it? Now, there is something fun when you see what you're waiting for come to fruition. There's nothing better than something you've been waiting for when it happens. And, and, and although waiting isn't always fun, it can be funny. And we're going to watch a video here of a three-year-old who teaches us the power of waiting and anticipation as he has watched one too many ESPN sports centers and he shows us what anticipation means. Let's watch this video about waiting. He's hit a home run and he's super slow-mo on his way home. Here comes dad. <laughs> now wait for it. We had a big finish. He slides into home. <laughs> now... There is a joy. There is a joy when you, you see what you've been waiting for finally happen. And I got to tell you, in the Old Testament, they waited for the Messiah. And then when Jesus was born, joy broke out. In fact, we read in Luke, it says, The legions of angels, they broke the sky when the Messiah was born and declared this. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, along with the angel, was a great company of heavenly hosts praising and singing, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who favor rests. As the waiting was over, and they turned the page into the New Testament, into the Gospels. And so that, there we have there. We have the four Gospels. The four Gospels are the account of the birth of the Messiah and his life. So we go from the Old Testament to the four books of the gospel, the four gospels. Jesus came, fully human, fully divine, fully God. And he didn't destroy the need for the Old Testament. He didn't destroy the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled every prophecy about his revival in there, about his birth being in there. Now what does this mean that the Messiah has come? What does it change that, that Jesus came after all this waiting? What does this mean? Well, it means everything. It changes everything. 
It changes the way that we approach God and the way that we engage with God the Father. You see, the most obvious change is the way that we approach his presence. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to come to God's presence, you would make a pilgrimage to the temple, to a place. And there at the temple, you would get an animal for a sacrifice, and you would find the high priest. And the high priest was a human, and you would, he would perform this sacrifice for you, and it would be a forgiveness of your sins. For so long, we went to him. But God, who is rich in love, wanted more. And so he sent Jesus to us, and it changed everything. When he came, he lived a perfect life. He died as a sacrifice for all. And upon the work of Jesus, God's no longer found in the temple, which is great news for us. God would no longer indwell a house because God wanted to indwell hearts. When Jesus laid down his old life, it also meant there was no longer any need for sacrifices for forgiveness. Jesus was the final sacrifice for forgiveness. And today, we don't have any need for that. And let me just tell you something. Do we need a high priest? Do you need a high priest up here to help you? Do you need a high priest to take you through all the rituals? You know, the Bible's very clear. We have a high priest. It is Jesus. He is our high priest. In Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended to heaven, that's Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we possess. We don't need any other high priest other than Jesus. We don't require any other human between us and God. And if you've been here at the orchard for any amount of time, you might have seen how when we talk about, when we talk about communion, we tell you this is an open communion. You don't need a class, and you don't need anybody up here to help you take it, because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, and he's your high priest. And you can come up here, and you can take the symbols of his body and his blood, and you can do this in remembrance of him to honor his sacrifice and to say thank you. But we don't need any other high priests. Jesus is our high priest, once and for all. God was in the temple? No longer. God walked the earth as Jesus, but then Jesus ascended into heaven. So with no temple and with no Jesus on the earth, how do we engage in God? This is where we get into Acts. How do we engage in God? How do we have a relationship with him? Well, after all the waiting of the Old Testament, we have the Gospels. And then after the Gospels end, Jesus te- after all this waiting, Jesus then tells his disciples what? Wait. He says, go and wait, because I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. God's going to send his Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, it was the game changer. The spiritual landscape of the earth changed, and all of heaven and all the earthly powers were shocked at the audacity of God's plan. The Holy Spirit, God's presence here on earth. Now let's talk about the Holy Spirit for just a minute. The Holy Spirit is perhaps the most misunderstood part of God in the entire Bible. It is God's, he is God's divine presence, his spirit, active on earth, active in us. The Holy Spirit is equal in the Trinity, just as equal, no less God than Jesus. And while God the Father is in heaven, and while Jesus the Messiah is seated next to him, the Holy Spirit is here among us. And for those in Jesus, here within us. The Holy Spirit was prophesied over a thousand years before Pentecost, before Acts 1. And it says here, in Joel 2, God says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons will prophesy, and will your daughters. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions, and I will pour out my spirit on the servants of men and women. The Holy Spirit, that's good news. The Holy Spirit, God's power of presence, 
The power of God's presence has come to earth and indwells us. And the Holy Spirit, for those in Jesus, speaks to us, guides us, convicts us, gives us wisdom, empowers us for great works. All that was present in the temple of the Old Testament, guess what, is now present in the Holy Spirit within us. I'm going to say this again. All that was present in the Old Testament temple is now present within us. In fact, the Bible says it right here. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, and again in 1 Corinthians 6, you are God's temple. You are the temple of God, and his Holy Spirit lives where? Lives where? Anybody on this side? Come on, Orchard. Gracie brought some grass. Let's try to keep up. Gracie's getting baptized today. It's going to be an exciting day. And because the, whole, the presence of God lives within us, it means something else. It means that all that was present in Jesus is now available to us. This is shocking. Jesus said something in John 14, 12. He said this, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Just think about that for a minute. Believe in Jesus. He said you can do the works he's done. If he stopped there, that'd be enough. But he says this, <laughs> and you will do even greater things. You will do greater things than Jesus. When I leave, my spirit's coming, and you will do greater things. It's amazing. This is great news for the Jesus movement, because previously, the movement was centered around a building. And then when Jesus was on the earth, it was centered around one man, and where he walked, it happened. But when he ascended and the temple was gone, now the movement can spread, because it's not in one place, and it's not in one person. It is throughout the world. It's worldwide. His spirit moves through the earth, and his spirit draws all people. The Holy Spirit of God calls us, says, come to me. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit does divine and supernatural things in a natural world. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence, and the Bible is clear over and over that those who believe and follow Jesus have God's spirit living within them. And because of his Holy Spirit, we have access to supernatural resources of God. What does that mean? What does that look like? What do you mean the supernatural resources? Well, the fruit of the Spirit. And we have access to His divine love, His divine grace, the power to forgive the unforgivable in our lives. The power to pass on the grace that He's given us to grant mercy. We have access to deep wisdom and mighty power and miracles and movement and in fact if your growth group this week we're going to talk a lot about this and we're going to go through a lot of the verses that tell us about the holy spirit and what he does for our lives and what he does in and through us and i want to say this if you're not in a growth group you're missing out on the next step of the orchard you see, the growth group is where we engage in um, godly community, where we become known and we know other people. The growth group is where you, find, you take these sermons and you find out what it means to live it actually in your life. And I'll say this strongly. If your spiritual life, if the only input you get spiritually is these sermons, your spiritual life will be anemic. You need more I, as good as we are, I know it's hard to imagine, you need more during the week. And a growth group in your personal study is a great way. I would encourage you to talk to Tom, go online, sign up. And in fact, we have a growth group that happens right after this service. Go up to room 206. Um, just find a room with people and start talking about God. It'll happen, okay? In Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit is active in our hearts and lives. No temples, no sacrifices. Truly, the entire paradigm of God's kingdom changed. And Acts is the first revelation of what it looks like to live in this way. 
It shows us what it looks like. It shows believers how to live and follow in Jesus' footsteps, how to be generous, how to tell the truth, how to get along, how to find unity, how to repent. It shows us about the Holy Spirit and his power in our lives. Truly, the Acts begins to reveal to us what it looks like for a believer to walk this earth empowered by the Spirit. And if all that Acts tells us is true, if, if all that these things say is true, then we have to admit something. God is a lot more powerful than we realize. God is more present than we could hope. The Spirit is more involved than we know, and He's closer than we can understand. And we and Jesus are more powerful than we would ever imagine. And that the movement of God is greater than we can fathom. Because the Jesus movement is the only movement that sustains throughout time. You see, all business, all political, all cultural, all personal, all movements will pass when this world passes. But what happens in the Jesus movement echoes into eternity. In fact, the Jesus movement, it starts here on earth, and it crosses the finish line into heaven. The Jesus movement truly lasts into eternity. So we have here in Acts, as we look back, God moves his residence from the house, the temple, to the heart, and that's us. And the Holy Spirit becomes our helper and lives within us. But it's not just God. And it's not just the temple, and it's not just the Holy Spirit that are redefined and and shown here in Acts. You see, Jesus instituted something new here. He started something. In Acts, Jesus establishes his church, his bride, his body. You know, the church isn't mankind's idea. Humanity humanity has taken the church and gotten off mission, but the church is Jesus's. Jesus established it. At the orchard, we want to take back the original intent of church. It's gotten off mission, but we want to say this. The church, we the orchard are here to highlight Jesus, that the main thing be the main thing, and that's him, that Jesus gets all the glory. And we are here to love God and love people above all things. The church has supernatural fruit that has heavenly roots. That's how we were made. That's who God tells us we are. Our culture will tell us that the church is a building. We've come to believe that we're going to go to church. The church is not a building. Not at all. The church is a people who claim Jesus is king. And if you come to know Jesus as Savior, you don't go to church. You become the church. And you can't even skip church. You can sleep in, but you still are the church. Can you imagine the church sleeping in on a Sunday? It happens. It happens. That this, this, I know we culturally call this, let's go to church. This is where we gather. But, but people, the orchard, in Jesus, we are the church. And this is quite a revolu- revolution. Because if the church is not a building anymore, it is an organic movement of people deployed all throughout the community. It is us wherever we go. Wherever you are, guess what? There the church is. Do you ever think about that? Wherever you find your, yourself, that's where the church is. Have you ever been in a situation and you thought, I wish the church would do something about this? If you are a Jesus follower, you are the church. When you see a situation and you say, I wish the church would do something about this, stop and ask yourself, God, what would you have me do here? What would you ask your church to do? Because I am here. The church is present and I'm ready. I'm ready. 
Jesus is our Lord, and when something happens around us, we often think, um, I should send this person to the church. Maybe they can help. And we do. We love to help. A lot of the churches around here, we love to help people. But next time, say, God, how would you like your church to respond right now? Because I'm here. Give me wisdom. Give me power. Give me strength. Give me boldness. How do I respond? Oftentimes, um, when we, we think about what the church can do, but I just want to let you know that when, when you move, the movement moves. When you love, guess what? The orchard loves. When you help, the orchard is helping. Because in Jesus, you and I are the church. When we add that to the fact that God's Holy Spirit lives within us, there's, there's times where people say, man, I just wish something will happen. And people say, I wish a pastor was here, which is very rare, right? No one ever just says, I wish a pastor was here. This, this party isn't quite lit enough. Can somebody find a pastor? <laughs> Rarely are people calling me, there's a party, but we need your help. I'm on it. But there are things that happen in life, and we say, man, I, I, I wish we had a pastor present. I get that. But did you know that in Jesus, you have something so much more potent and powerful than any physical pastor has? The power of the living God within you. And where you are present, the presence of God is present. When the Holy Spirit indwells you, listen to this, you become a catalyst of heaven. Because of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, the DNA of heaven resides within you. And in that DNA is love and peace and hope and joy that the world does not have access to. Because of Jesus his sacrifice and the spirit indwelling us, we are catalysts, we are stimulus for supernatural happenings, we are a light for hope. In all situations, we have the opportunity to shed the light on Jesus and bring heaven to earth in that moment. And isn't it wonderful? It is so cool that God's plan includes us. Did you ever think about this? God's eternal and yet it includes us? It's amazing that we get to step into, when we, when we step into God's flow of his spirit, we step into a flow that didn't start here, didn't start with us. We step into a movement that is grand, that is epic. And we get so caught up in our personal worries and concerns and our issues with church and our own spiritual life, we lose sight of something, and it's this, that God's movement is vast. Imagine with me. God the Father the creator, the sustainer of the universe. He knows each star. He knows every mountain and every valley on every planet. He knows every grain of sand. He knows every animal. He knows every bird. Nothing happens that he is not aware of. He is eternal. He is timeless. He's all-knowing. He's divine. He is all-seeing. He is the true, eternal God. All has been created by him, and all that is created echoes of him. In fact, the arts are an echo of his creativity. Science declares his order and his power. Music is birthed out of his creativity and beauty, and nature itself reveals his audacity and design. He has seen kingdoms come and go. He has seen ages past. There is nothing outside of his power. There is nothing outside of his understanding. God is epic. God is vast. His plans are unfathomable. His plans are beyond us. They are massive. But the truest beauty of God's plan, the most beautiful thing about God's plan is that despite all the glory of his creation and the vastness of the universe that he spoke into existence, despite the power of his peace and the splendor of his holiness and, 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 and the power of his kingdom and his throne, despite all about that, despite all the glory, 
beautiful thing is that he advances the movement of God one heart at a time. That the God who flung the stars into existence stops with you and says, my son, my daughter, follow me. That the God who spoke the stars and spoke the universe whispers, come to me. That Jesus on the cross, the same Jesus who roared, it is finished, now says, come follow me. The same God. The same hands that formed the foundations of time pick you up from the pit and sustain you. The divine eternal God, his movement sees and seeks one heart at a time. Second Chronicles says this, the eyes of the Lord search the earth to strengthen the one who's committed to him. He moves time and he moves space, yet the eternal God is present right here in this moment. Think of the vastness of the universe and yet he's here because he wants to speak. This is the beauty of God's movement. It's vast, but it's so personal. In his love, he pauses and he stoops and he says, my son, you're forgiven. My daughter, you're my beloved. Follow me. All's forgiven. Come to me. Follow me. He's calling each of us to Jesus. He's calling each of us to lay down our life for a true purpose. He's calling us to love him, to give our heart to him. He's calling us to allow his spirit to speak and act and move through us. The movement of God has gone through history and in time, yet it's always about individual hearts making bold decisions. The beauty of that, I can hardly even preach. I can't do it justice. Today, the God of the universe, who created and sustained everything, is a very proud father today. Because the movement moves on individual decisions and his beloved daughter has said, I want to risk because my father has asked me to. She heard her heavenly father ask her to get baptized and she said, yes. In front of all the people, yes, I'll do it. You see, the movement of God is timeless and vast and it's here and every time one of us says, yes, it moves. We're here for my favorite part of church stuff, and that's baptism. Now, Jesus asked, when you follow him, you follow him in baptism. But I want to remind us of a few things. Baptism is not an empty ritual. It's full of life. It's full of glory. Baptism isn't some dead religious routine. It is a living reminder of the glory of Jesus' death and resurrection. Baptism isn't something we do out of guilt for our church. It's something we do out of love for our Savior. And catch this. Baptism isn't entry into heaven. It is a declaration that I am heaven bound. Baptism's beautiful. It's risky. So today, despite all the grand work that God has done throughout time and space, we stop to celebrate the, what he's doing in one heart because this is how the movement gains momentum. So, Gracie, I haven't built this up enough, have I? <laughs> Are you ready? Let's <laughs> can somebody, Gracie and your family, come on up here? Um, you guys can, can come gather around. Uh, can you come help her get in? Come over here and help her. Let's gather around. If you will, get over there just help her walk in. So we have to make a little room so people can see, okay? All right. 
So Gracie, here we are. Ooh, I made it. Okay. You emailed me a few weeks ago and said, I need to get baptized. You can be seated. Okay, I can sit down now? Okay. So tell us, Gracie, what brought you to this okay. place? Well, hi, everybody. If I don't know you, I'm Gracie. Um, what brought me to the orchard? Um, honestly, I'm not the biggest church person. I think all my friends and family finally got tired of asking me and me saying that I'm busy or, you know, I don't know, my cousin went to Hampshire and died and I couldn't make it. Um, but one day I had, like, a thought that, you know, hey, I should go to church at the orchard. And I knew that it wasn't me coming up with that thought because I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm just being honest. But, and I was like, I'm like, I know lots of people there. I'm, I'm good. I like to be kind of a loner. Um, but then I was like, you know, I had peace about it. So I'm like, I should go. And I am so glad that I did because I love coming here. I look forward to it. And I just am so much, I don't know, I feel peace being here. Um, with getting baptized, um, I think I was looking at this all wrong in a way because I thought, oh, maybe, you know, I don't know, like when I'm 30 and my life's more perfect and I'm not so much me, you know, <laughs> then I can get baptized. Um, but I was actually having a conversation. I don't know where she is at. Oh, there she is. Hi, AJ. <laughs> I was having a conversation with Annie, and we were talking about how you don't have to be perfect in order for God to use you. And um, I think God kind of used that to be yeah. like, you know, if Jesus thought you were to die for, you must be. And um, when we were talking to Charlie, it has nothing to do with me, um, but it has everything to do with who he is and who I am in him. And so kind of my backstory, as you could probably tell, um, with all my family, um, I grew up in a Christian home. You know, I got saved when I was little. Um, so I did all of that. Um, and so that, you know, that's kind of how I met Jesus. Um, and then kind of when I had an experience with him, um, when I was 18, I was dating this guy. Um, he ended up not being who I thought he was. He was involved with some, some not-so-good people. Um, long story short, um, he almost died, but it was the whole thing was a miracle. Um, and, you know, I got to see God really move and really work. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at. Um, God will do his word no matter what. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot farther that drive. That's all <laughs> <I'm doing. laughs> um, but the really beautiful part is, I think, when I really started to change was when I got, like, a relationship with Jesus, um, with doing good. Can I dunk myself already? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 2018 has been the best year I've had so far. Um, you know, there's change. I've been growing, getting out of my comfort zone, trying to be friends with annoying people. Um, <laughs> but it's also been one of, like, the hardest times also. Um, you know, it's been scary. It's, it's hard growing and stuff, you know. Comfort zones are wonderful. Like, I just want to stay there. Um, but um, it's been great, but it's also been really hard. But in those hard moments when I'm scared, when I'm nervous, you know, God's given me peace, and he's given me strength, and yeah. when my heart's hurting, he's, he's the only one who's there to comfort me because he understands. Um, and so throughout all this stuff, I've gotten to have a relationship with him, and through that relationship, I've definitely changed. I'm still me, but for the better. Mm. Um, yeah. I used to be really, really shy, which I still can be really shy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, for me, like, I used to be scared. I used to be nervous. I used to, like, not want to do anything. Um, and now, well, I want to do this. Um, 
Um, but you know, it's just I'm not the same person I was, yeah. and that's I think why I you know I have a relationship with him, and through that relationship, I've grown into like a better version of myself. Mm. And through all the stuff that I've been through, good, bad, whatever, I've learned that if I give it to God, He can take it and change it and make it good for me and for everybody else in my sphere of influence. Um, so definitely, He gives beauty for ashes, one hundred percent. And so, you know, I just am so thankful, and I just want to yeah. say thank you to everybody up here, everybody who has been a part of me getting up here, um, this change in my life, and Jesus, of course, for doing all of this for me. Um, but I also just want to say thank you to all of you guys, because I would not be here where I'm at without you, and okay, I think I'm done. You did great. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm done. I think I'm done. You did awesome. Okay. So Grace has been with us since I don't know around the new year and oh, yeah. um, Grace Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. There you go. We I are. I figured s- it wouldn't be that busy. So <laughs> <laughs> we are so glad that God has brought you here. And Gracie, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Heck yes. All right. Do you commit to follow Him um, with all your days? Heck yes. All right. Well, Gracie, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> will you help? Will you help her out. I have five minutes. Somebody, somebody help her out. You don't have to stay in there. Oh, thank you. All right. Orchard. It's one of our new sisters. Gracie, you'll see her around. We expect big things from her. I just want to let you know something. This is the movement of God. This is God's movement. Individual people stepping out and declaring with their lives, I follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. And we are so proud of you, Gracie, but your heavenly Father, it trumps it all. And now the movement gathers momentum as Gracie in her life, God's going to continue to see what we do there. I want to say this, the Spirit is calling you. I don't know what the Spirit's calling you to. For some of you, he's calling you to baptism. For some of you, he's calling you to salvation for the first time to settle in your heart that Jesus is your Savior. For others of you, he's calling you to something. And, and listen, for a lot of us, God asked us to obey something in our past, and we hesitated. And that hesitation turned into a year and a decade and a lifetime. And oftentimes what we can do is go back to that last thing we know he told us and say yes. The movement moves on yeses as God calls his sons and daughters to move. And so today the movement's going to continue. As some of you here, there are some of you who need Jesus as your Savior. And if that's you, you're going to have a chance to pray with myself or Charlie or someone on the prayer team afterwards. If you want to be baptized, we have exquisite sweatpants for you to wear home. You can get baptized in your street clothes. (laughs) Not even joking. If that's you, come talk to us during the song and we can, we can get you baptized and we'll uh, see what God does. But whatever it is that God's asking, I don't know what it would be, but he does and he will tell you. So during communion, as you hold the symbol of God's um, body and blood, ask, say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your movement. Thank you for the vastness of who you are, God. And thank you that in the vastness, you're present with me right now. Isaiah, it says in Isaiah 6, 8, Isaiah says, I heard God's voice say, who should I send and who will go for us? And he said, here I am, send me. 
The moment a, a person says, I'm in, I'm, I'm in on the movement. So what is the Holy Spirit calling you to today? Orchard, we're about bold decisions. And during today's communion and, and the song, as we end this song about walking on water and making bold decisions, what is yours? Get, get the communion and ask the Holy Spirit. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, you were so awesome and so kind. You're so loving, so tender, so forgiving. There's no condemnation in Christ. And Father, we rebuke right now the accusing of the enemy who says, not you, not your sin, not today. We rebuke that. Father, I pray you call your sons and daughters with power today, and I pray that you would infuse us with a boldness to make a decision, that the movement would continue within us. Hear our songs, Father, as they are a prayer to you. In Jesus' name, everyone said?